0: Let us pray. Once again, our Father, we come before you asking for strength and help in time of need that we may honor you and Worship you in the furtherance of this service. We know that without you we can do nothing, and we know that it is in you that we live. And move and have our being. There are some that we mentioned earlier this morning, some that come to mind that we did not mention that are going through life's struggles. Some are in excruciating pain. Some have been disfigured for life. Some have come to the end of their lives, living out their last days. Some are young, going through trials and afflictions. And we confess, Father, that from time to time when people are going through various afflictions, we're made to wonder, What it's all about. And yet, like Job of old, for scripture does not really tell us whether Job knew why he was going through what he went through, we find friends and loved ones and sometimes ourselves sitting in the midst of trials and afflictions and wondering what it's all about we know that we're sinners we know that we live in a sinful world and we know that it is because of sin that there are so many sicknesses and things of that nature And yet we, like Asaph of old, when he saw the prosperity of the righteous and the afflictions, I mean the prosperity of the wicked and the afflictions of the righteous, he well nigh slipped until He went into the sanctuary of Thine. So help us to keep the right spirit and attitude and disposition and help us to stand for the Word of the Lord at all costs. And yet we are quick to pray. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. In Jesus' name. Amen. As we continue our study with these verses, that is first John five verses six through. Uh, 9, there is a lot more that we could have spoke about this morning, but we will not uh, take up that. There is a couple of terms, time ran out before we could get to this this morning, but there was a couple of terms that I would make mention to you in order that you might be familiar maybe with them if you run across them in reading about some of this. One is UCL usic, uh, and minuscule. minuscule. Is U-N-C-I-A-L is one. M-I-N-U-S-C-U-L is the other. A UCL is a section of the New Testament in Greek or Latin. that's written on parchment or vellum. Vellum would be a type of leather. This style of writing is called UCL or majus- majuscule. Uh, the UCL letters are somewhat rounded and separated Versions of capital letters or cursive letters. The misusical mis- letters are developed from cursive writing and have simplified small forms. And so, a lot of times, people, when they're writing about this subject, they will be talking about these different. Uh, parts of scripture and usually someone will say something to the effect that well these are older manuscripts or these are newer manuscripts and they say well, the older manuscripts are better well that's not necessarily the case. Say, for instance, you find a piece of writing and say you would find it around that it dates back to 100 A.D. And then you find another piece of writing that dates back, let's say, to 1500 A.D. And you see that the one writing that dates back to 100 is kindly new and fresh. But the 1500 is kindly worn out. And so scholars will say that and say, well, the older writing is the better. When in reality, the reason the older writing is in better shape is because it wasn't used. In other words, the saints at that time realized that it wasn't a good piece of writing, and so they just cast it aside and didn't use it. Whereas the better writing was used and wore out. It'd be kind of like buying a shirt, let's say, 10 years ago. And for some reason, you hardly ever wore the shirt. But then, in the last two or three years, you buy another shirt, you really like it, and you just wore it about every day. Well, the newer shirt was not the better shirt because it was worn out because you used it all the time. The other one still looks like it's in good shape and so on. Well, that's the way you are. And a lot of so-called scholars, especially back in uh, Mount Sinai, they found some old documents some years ago. and They said, well, these are better manuscripts because they haven't been used that much. But the reason they were not used is because they weren't good. They were cast aside. And so that also enters into the discussion. And there's a lot more details I could go into. But uh, I just wanted to bring that up uh, because some people might say, well, you, you haven't talked about uh, these uh, modern texts are based on better manuscripts and things of that nature. And sometimes in your Bibles you might say such and such verse is not in the best manuscripts or the older manuscripts. Well, it's because those manuscripts were really not the best. They were not authenticated by the saints of God down through the centuries. In verse 8, the bare record, the bare witness in heaven, these are all the same words that we spoke about last Lord's Day. I want us to take a few minutes, though we're not going to do a full study of it, But let's look at a few verses regarding the Trinity. Now obviously, 1 John 5-7 is not the only verse of Scripture that teaches the Trinity. It's the only verse of Scripture that mentions the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit being one. But there are verses like in John 10 where Jesus said, I and My Father are one. There are verses that teach about Jesus Christ saying, I'm going away and I'll send you the Holy Spirit. And then He says, I'll come to you. In other words, there are many other verses of Scripture that indicate that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are, a, are one. 1 John 5.7 states it plainly. But I want us to look first of all at a few verses of Scripture where the Father is designated as God. And you may think of some others that I won't even mention but first of all is John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Verse 27. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which uh, the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. In other words, it plainly states that the Father is God. God the Father. God the Father. Galatians chapter 1. And though we're only looking at a few verses, I assure you we can multiply this, these verses. In Galatians chapter one, verse one Paul an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ, and God the Father who raised Him from the dead. And then in verse 3, grace be to you and peace from God the Father. God the Father. Now, I know this is elementary to you, but there may be someone out there that's listening to this that hasn't been taught these things. We who have believed this all of our lives, you say, well, that's kind of elementary, Watson. Well, it may be elementary, but I assure you it is essential to know that God, the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. We'll get to the Son and Holy Spirit, but right now we're looking at the Father. Ephesians chapter 6. Verse twenty-three, Paul said, "Peace be to the brethren, and love with faith from God, the Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ." Philippians chapter two, verse eleven, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus. Is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Someday every tongue is going to bow and not only confess that Jesus is the Lord, but they're going to confess that God, that the Father is God. They're going to bow to that. They're going to bow to that. First Thessalonians, chapter 1, in verse 1. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the congregation of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father, and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. But it says that God is the Father. God is the Father. The Father is God, in other words. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. Titus chapter one in verse four. To Titus, mine own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. First Peter chapter one. We actually read this this morning. Verse 2, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. God the Father. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 7. Actually, it should be verse 17. Should be verse seventeen second Peter one seventeen, for he received from God the Father, honor and glory, but God the Father, second John verse three, the second epistle of John, grace be with you, mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. And then lastly in Jude 1, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father. So, obviously, we can multiply this many, many, many times to show that God, or that the Father, is God. God the Father. But, not only is the Father God, the Son is God. The Gospel of John chapter 1. Verse 1 In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Drop down to verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And then in verse 18 No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared Him. The Son is God. The Son is God. When the human, the human Jesus walked on this earth and was localized in His body, as the Son of God, the second Person of the Trinity, He was everywhere. Not only was He on earth, as these verses teach, but verse 18 also said He was in the bosom of the Father. Jesus Christ Is God. He's not a God. He's not less in nature as the Father. You remember, and I don't think I have it written down here, I may have, but you remember when Philip said to Jesus, Show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. What did Jesus say? Have I been so long time with thee, Philip, and hast thou not known me? Jesus is God. And He's equal to the Father. He's equal to the Father. In John chapter 8 and verse 58, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was I, am I am. Now you remember when the Moses was at the burning bush and God told Moses, "You go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go." And Moses, in effect, said, well, who am I to do this thing? And Moses also said, when I go to Israel and tell them that you said to let them go, who should I tell them that sent me? And what did he say? tell them, I am, has sent you. I am that I am. God, see, Jesus hadn't even been born yet. And yet the Son of God was in existence, the second person of the Trinity, And the Messiah told the, the Pharisees here, before Abraham was, I am. Not before Moses was, but before Abraham was. Now if we would take the time and turn back to Exodus chapter three and and then Exodus six. God told Moses, He said, Up until this day, nobody has known Me as I am. He said, Beforehand, they knew Me as God Almighty. And if we would take the time and go back and look in the life of Abraham, we would see that the Almighty God told Abraham to leave Ur of Chaldea. Abraham didn't know God as I am. But Jesus said before Abraham was, I am. I'm God. I'm God. And the Jews knew what Jesus meant by that because the next verse said that they picked up stones and they were going to stone Him because He made Himself to be God. But Jesus hid Himself. In other words, some way, Jesus disguised Himself and walked out right in the middle of them. Can you imagine that? Think, if you were in Solomon's temple, in the temple, in Solomon's porch, and you're standing in a crowd... And Jesus is standing there in front of you talking. And then all of a sudden, He just disappears. He really didn't disappear. He just disguised Himself. How He did it, we don't know. But it said He walked in through the midst of them and walked out and passed by. They didn't even recognize Him. You'd have been standing there looking around. Well, where did he go? Only God can do that. Only God can do that. In John chapter 10, pick it up in verse 30. Jesus said, I and my Father are one. Somebody said, well, that's just two different manifestations of the one individual. Well, no, not necessarily so. You remember when Philip was stoned? Not Philip. Stephen. You remember when Stephen was stoned? In fact, let me turn there in that keep your finger in John ten. Turn with me to Acts chapter eight. No Acts chapter nine, excuse. No, Acts chapter six or seven. I'll get it right in a minute in a minute. Acts chapter 7, verse 55. And he, that is Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. What is so unique about those verses? Philip, Stephen, I don't know why I keep saying, Stephen saw two different things. One said, The glory of God and the Son of God. The other says the Son of God at the right hand of God. In other words, the Father and the Son are not one entity manifesting itself in two different ways. You see, a man can be a husband and he can be a father. So here you see a, a person showing himself in two different ways. But Stephen saw two different things or entities. You say, well, how did he see God when Christ is the manifestation of God, say, so, well, he just saw the glory of God, He really didn't see God. Well we don't know what all he saw. We may not be, we may not be able to explain the details, but we do know this: He saw two different things. He saw God in His glory. And on the right side of God, he saw Jesus. In other words, it would, Jesus would be to your left of God. See, if somebody's sitting on my right side, they'd be sitting over here. Because here's my right side. Jesus said, I and my Father are one. Then the Jews, this back in John 10:30. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered, Many good works have I showed you from my Father. For which of these works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. Because that because that thou, being a man, maketh thyself God. They knew Jesus was saying, I'm God. The Father is God. Jesus is God. The Son of God is God. In John 14, in verse 11, Jesus said, believe Me that I am in the Father and the Father in Me, or else believe Me for the very work's sake. Jesus was saying there, like in these other verses, that He's God. Look in Luke 22. Luke twenty two. We're we'll starting verse sixty seven. Art thou the Christ? Tell us. And he said unto them, If I tell you, Ye will not believe Me. And if I also ask you, ye will not answer Me, nor let Me go. Hereafter shall the Son of Man sit on the right hand of the power of God. Then said they all, Art thou then the Son of God? And He said unto them, Ye say that I am? And they said, What need we any further witness? For we ourselves had heard of His own mouth. In other words, they accused Him of of claiming to be God. Jesus, the Son of God, is God. God. And then lastly, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And like I said, we could multiply these verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6. But to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him. And one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things and we by him notice it that in that verse it makes the father god and jesus christ god the holy spirit is also god john 15 We only have a couple of verses that we use, though we could use others. But you say, might say or ask the question, well, why are there so few verses of the Spirit claiming to be God? Because what is the ministry of the Holy Spirit? It's not to speak of Himself, but to speak of who? Christ. But in John 15... Verse 26. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. In Galatians chapter 4. Verse 6, And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. The same Spirit, we see that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are one. I like... What Elder Cecil Sandiford said. He's a minister that was uh, from Mississippi. I met him back in the 60s. Of course, he's dead now. But he wrote a commentary uh, of sorts. And uh, of this, he said, uh, 1 John 5 7. Here, John says that the Father, the Word and the Holy Ghost bear record in heaven that Jesus is the Son of God. And these three are one. Many have attempted to explain how the three in heaven can be one. Now listen to this. It seems to be an exercise in futility since everyone who tries it is more confused after the attempted explanation. You know, we're trying to explain the Trinity. You know, the more we try, the more we get confused. Our best course of action is to simply realize that it is is true though it is beyond our ability to understand. We can't comprehend the Trinity. Why, if there were no Trinity, and there were only God the Father, who is eternal, I couldn't understand that. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit who are in heaven, they're one. The water, the blood, and the Spirit that we looked at last Lord's Day, those three agree in one. And so you have this witness. This witness. We're going to close here for today. I want to say a few more things about the witness, but I've got so much here that I want to say that we'll save that for next time because we wouldn't have time to get it all today. This is just a smidgen of truth verses to show the truth of the Trinity. Don't let anybody drive you off this truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for telling us a little bit about who you are. And like so many other truths, we can't comprehend it, we can't explain it, but we can believe it. And bless us to hold on to these truths at all cost in Jesus name amen